Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. You know, it, 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 it feels weird when uh, we have a bit of extended time off. I almost feel like I don't know, don't know what to do with myself in the span of a week. And it seems that so much has changed. I've already begun a new job in the uh, in the two weeks since you've heard from us last. And, uh, you know, now, now the season's changed. As you are hearing this, we are now into the fall of 2017. Are we officially into autumn? I know that... Unofficially, they started selling those sweet, sweet PSLs, and that's always a sure sign that the fall season is among uh, upon us. But I don't know if it's officially until like later in September, or if this is the day, or what's going on. What's a PSL? Oh well, come on now. It's I might pu- know, but uh, but the, the the acronym isn't familiar to me right now. It's a pumpkin spice latte, buddy. Oh, gee. the no, the reason a, for the season, my man. That that's the that's the first time I've ever heard heard them referred to as such. <laughs> I'm in a household where I, I I there's a lot of PSL talk going on in the old Mancini residence, so uh, I'm I'm quite familiar with the acronym. I I I'm quite uh, I'm quite PSL free uh, at, uh, at least for now but you know that may that may change very soon. Well, whether you're PSL free or uh, in this case got... PBS cuz we're talking about <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> Pumpkin butter spice or public broadcasting station whatever it is. That's whatever right. it stands for. That's right. That's the kind of P and B and what? Okay. No, that's what you should be paying attention to. See, it has been a while since we've had an episode of Elwood City Limits because I, your host, Will Young, are completely unprepared for it. But my co-host, Lucas Mancini, is ready and raring to go. I am so ready to climb back up on that proverbial horse. Let's do it. Okay, so in the meantime, since we've been away, we have gotten a couple of emails that I would uh, just like to highlight here. Um, that's to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you to everybody who sent in a bit of feedback. We got one from a, uh, this is a uh, uh, repeat emailer. This would be our friend uh, Urz Cat, And uh, they left us quite, quite a long email. Urz, I can't get into it. I can't get into all of it, I'm afraid. Uh, it was a bit of a history on the term funny animal. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you'll have to send that to me so I can read the whole thing. That's fantastic. Absolutely, I will. Uh, I mean, it was it was very interesting about how, you know, it started uh, in the late 1800s to the early 1900s. The usage of animal characters, uh, you know, in children's literature and comic strips. Uh, mention of, like, Wind in the Willows and Crazy Cat and uh, mouse and all kinds of other things and how it eventually funny animals led to the dawn of what you and I may know uh, as uh, furries. Oh, well, that took a dark turn. 
Well, it's, it certainly took a turn that I wouldn't have guessed myself. Or I should say, yeah, funny animals. Uh, 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 furries, at, furries might be the least funny animal. I kid, I kid to all you furries out there. I'm just trying to, I'm just making fun. Uh, shout out to the furries. That's right. So Urzcat uh, had a very interesting uh, historical uh, look at it. So thank you very much for that, Urz. Uh, they, have, they also have a question they want to pose to us. Uh is Arthur a furry, albeit very stylized? Uh, I would say no, because I think it's his actual skin, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit difficult, and obviously, I'm leaving off quite a bit. Urz, it all it all comes from uh, Urz's theory here. I'm just trying to kind of parse through it uh, because funny animals, as they say, kind of came up with Disney and in the 1980s, uh, and um, and the culture of indie comics. Uh, they put furry creatures into strange situations that would embarrass most people. Uh, and I think in, in more that, like, funny animal is a synonym uh, for furry is what uh, they are putting forward in that one. I'll I say mean, this. A- I'll say this. I've never yeah. seen Arthur uh, do a rave dance, which is from the YouTube compilations I've watched, uh, an old standby of furry culture. And I've also never seen Arthur being a vape vine that's another thing i've seen furries do is vape in in vine videos while dubstep plays and then the vape comes out of their furry head yeah i don't know if he's a furry but hey if someone was wearing a big arthur costume that really calls it into question that's like some inception right there i don't know how many levels deep we're willing to go but that might be a little bit much for me to even try and contemplate yeah, it feels a little out of my depth, so I'm more going to leave that in the minds of our listeners who may know a thing or two about that sort of thing. Uh, so thank you, Urs, for that email. Uh, they also want to say that their sister, B uh, sent in an email, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, and she wants to say thank you, B, for introducing uh, them to the podcast. All right, we move on to B.E., I will say, uh, sent us in this one. What are they, uh, What are they? a near automata ending? Yeah. <laughs> 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 have you played through that no no i don't have time i've been so busy with work uh i want to though it's on my to-do list that and uh sonic mania uh speaking of furries are the two big ones i want to get to before the year's up so i've played through near and i have sonic mania right now and i kind of wasn't blown away by either of them wow you and I have very different tastes, though, so you may you may disagree. Uh-huh. The big one on the horizon I'm still super excited for is Mario Odyssey, but we have a little bit off, uh, like a month or so before that one drops. Yeah, I can't even think about that one because I don't have a Nintendo Switch, at least not yet. Mario Odyssey is very tempting. Uh, B in, in her email, uh, talks about how PBS Kids was her go-to kids show channel, uh, you know, enjoyed shows like Cyber Chase, Dragon Tales, and of course Arthur. Uh, the question this time is: When I was a kid, I dreamt about TV shows and video games way more than I did about myself. I've had a few dreams about Arthur, including one where Buster was captured by aliens, and one where Arthur tried to hide a bad grade from his parents, and the lie spiraled out of proportion. Isn't that uh, like a real Arthur episode? That sounds, that just, I thought this dream was going to be like, I had a dream where Arthur was a, like a murderer, but that just sounds, those just, that just sounds like two real Arthur episodes. It does sound a lot like um, the episode we did a few weeks ago uh, about Arthur hiding that note from, to Principal Haney. Oh from yeah. From his mother. Uh, 
and their sibling had a dream where DW wished that there were three of her so she'd get three times as many birthday presents. Now, that sounds like an Arthur episode waiting to happen. Or at least an aside in one. For sure. Uh, Anyway, the question is, did you ever have a dream involving Arthur? If not, are there any episode concepts you've come up with in the waking world? P.S. Muffy slash Francine beats Arthur slash Francine in any ship war in my book. Uh Uh-oh. Our email's getting filled up with, uh, with ship wars now. Oh, my goodness. Keep the ship wars going. It's like Assassin's Creed Black Flag up in here with all this shipping. Um, <laughs> I, I guess Muffy, Muffy and Francine is a great pair. Now that I think about it. Muffy is a true... How do you pronounce this? Sundre? Sundere. Sundere? Anyway. Yeah. Back to the question. I've definitely had dreams about Arthur, but I do not recall any of them. I feel like most of my dreams involved Arthur and sticking around crossovers... Because as a kid, I thought Stick It Around was a sister show to Arthur. I even called it Little Arthur. Yeah, uh, just Little because, Arthur. Just because the main character sort of has a similar skin tone and glasses to Arthur. And that's pretty much where the similarities end with those two shows. And that Bradley. they were both cartoon. Oh, Stick It Around. Do a Stick It Around episode one of these days. But yeah, I've definitely had dreams. But it was so long ago that I don't remember the, any of them. What about you, Will? I uh, first of all, I have good news. Sticking around totally holds up, and it's awesome. on YouTube. Um, I can't say I remember because I don't remember my dreams very well, and the ones that I do remember, you know, I've you know remembered for a long time. So I don't quite know. And I mean, I I, I hate to feel like I'm flaking out on this question, but you know. I'm not the type to th- to really think of episodes. Jordan had a good idea on our last episode, and hopefully with future guests, they can kind of bring their own ideas to the table on that one. But I want to thank you for that email, B. Ooh, and- that would be a good one to ask our next guest. Our next guest is way into, like, dream journals and stuff like that. So that might be oh. one to keep in our back pocket for them. Okay. Well- or her, whoever it is. Yeah, <laughs> we'll let you know more about that at the end of the episode. Okay, one more. This one is from Louise from Chicago. Uh, you know, big fan of the podcast. Her sister and uh, her sister and her huge Arthur fans have been for most of their lives. Ooh. She's writing about the episode Sue Ellen's Diary. She says, "I know you both and Jordan had some confusion about the throwaway reference to Sue Ellen's crush on Arthur at the end of the episode, uh, and I have some info that may provide a little clarity." When my sister and I were younger, a local bookstore brought Mark Brown to speak and read to a group of us. Oh my goodness, this is so fascinating. Continue. I'm at the edge of my seat. My sister and I were lucky enough to attend, and during the event, there was a Q&A session. Many of the kids asked Mark Brown about his inspiration for certain characters, many of which came from his real life. For example, Buster is based off his childhood best friend. Specifically, I asked Mark Brown about the inspiration for Sue Ellen, since she's always been a favorite character of mine. Mark Brown said that, in fact, Sue Ellen was based off of a girl he had a crush on in elementary school. He gave her name, but since the event was over ten years ago, I've since forgotten it. The line at the end of the episode, then, was probably a reference to Mark Brown's life and the girl that inspired Sue Ellen. Uh, meeting him was a huge highlight of my childhood, and I hope this info gives you more clarity. That is very interesting. Uh, I feel like I may have heard that somewhere, but I've long since forgotten, so it was very cool to, uh, kind of rediscover that information. So, okay, I, I, I guess I can kind of let that slide a little bit more. Yeah, I wonder if that comes across more in the books and that what the writers were playing off of, because I don't know how direct Mark Brown involvement with storylines on the show is. So I wonder if maybe there's more, like, Sue Ellen and Arthur's relationship gets dug into a little bit more in the books, and maybe they were playing off of that. 
in the Arthur expanded universe. Who knows? That's right. When does Grand Admiral Thrawn show up? <laughs> Prince, <laughs> where, where, Prince where's, Zizor. Where, yeah, yeah. Where's Spider Darth Maul and that X-Wing pilot that looks like a horse? <laughs> All right. So enough lollygagging around. Let's get to uh, the new Arthur episodes. This week we are talking about a brand new episode. We're going to start off with Grandma Thora Appreciation Day, which is one I was kind of going into a little bit blind and... Uh, I'm glad that I did because uh, it certainly took me on a ride. Uh, we get one of the cl- blind, blind yeah. or not. I'll tell you what I was not expecting this episode to open with: a dig on public television. The network that this show is on—they're burning, they're burying PBS in the opening of this episode. I was like mouth agape. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second because Arthur is. In the cold open, recounting a, re- a particularly uh, bad night that he and DW had at Grandma Thora's, uh, especially in the sense of just like they did not have a great deal of fun. They were so they were staying with her and uh, uh, eating dinner, which of course, as we've established, Grandma Thora not a very good cook. Uh, she invites them after dinner to play Parcheesi, and hey, this this um this episode is rife with great lines, especially from DW. And this is oh my goodness, this is the first one. Thank you, Grandma. But we would much prefer to watch TV. <laughs> so direct. At least she's being polite. Yeah, no, and it's the p- most polite way that you, as a grandchild, can say something like that. Grandma says that she doesn't have cable, but she does get public television, clear as a bell. And Arthur and DW <laughs> both kind of go like, "Ew." It's so great when they do this. It's like when the Simpsons make fun of uh, being on Fox. Mm, or it reminds me of an old 22 Minutes joke where uh, they were parroting an ad about like stealing cable. Uh, and the kid's like, I learned it from watching you. And the dad says, all right, then. I won't steal cable anymore. Hope you like CBC. And the kid's like, no. <laughs> and the dad's like, ooh, marketplace is on. And the kid's like, no. So the fun does certainly doesn't continue uh, as they are watching public television in the living room and Grandma brings in the only snack that she has, no salt, low-fat potato chips. Which I say to this, suck it up, DW and Arthur, no salt, low-fat chips, they're still chips, they taste fine. Nah, I don't know, dude, like... What are you talking about? They're potato chips! It's not like they're like... I, I, I don't think I've ever had a potato chip besides ones that are, like, seasoned really strangely, like the cheeseburger ones or something. Like, salt, like, low-salt potato chips still taste like chips to me. They're they're still barrel—they're not even healthy. Like, they're still not good for you. But you I don't think you realize just how much of a potato chip's integrity is based on the fact that it is salty. Like, they have—the the, the best example I can think of, aside from, like, those pop chips, which are— basically ash in chip form. Uh, I'm thinking of baked Lay's, which, hey, like, the consistency is there. I will give you that. And there is a semblance of, of, like, chip taste. But if you have normal Lay's, I'm choosing that 10 out of 10 times because that's what I'm coming for is the salt. Like, let's, I think we're gonna let's not just screw around to, here. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one because you're talking to a guy who buys low-salt Triscuits on the regular. Oh, that's how hardcore I am with keeping the sodium well, out. So we'll, we'll see, this low, one's no skin off my back. Well, see, low-salt is one thing. Grandma Thora is straight-up no-salt. There's mm. no flavoring on this whatsoever. 
Touche, touche. L- like, low salt I can understand, because they do have the lightly salted Lay's, which, to be fair, I've never <laughs> tried. Uh, and uh, Okay, here, I feel like here's something we could agree on. I kay. feel like this problem would have been mitigated had the children had some dippables. Like, let's say we have some, uh, uh, like, some, uh, like, chip, like, chip dip, uh, yep. of, the, uh, uh, of the uh, Tostitos variety, mm-hmm. maybe some salsa, maybe some hummus. No matter what your dip of choice is, I feel like this makes the no salt a less of an issue. Absolutely, that would that would have pleased everybody. However, I would shudder to think of what anything dippable Grandma Thora might have. <laughs> She's like, "Here, boys and girls, here's some marmalade to like dip this <laughs> these chips into." Uh, as the night goes on, they they uh, realize as they're brushing their teeth, DW screams, and Arthur's like, "What?" And it's like, "Grandma's false teeth," and they're just in a glass. And Arthur follows it up with, "We didn't get much sleep that night." <laughs> it's like a. Clive Barker novel or something. <laughs> As Grandma is putting them to bed, uh, you know, they're both kind of staying awake of just like, Grandma Thora must be the saddest person in the world. <laughs> and they mean that in terms of like her feeling sad, not that like her life is like tragic or something. Or like, it's, it's not meant to be insulting, but on its own, that line, it, it cuts it cuts a bit deeper than I think they intended. But they just mean in the sense of like, she doesn't eat good potato chips, she keeps her teeth in a glass, and D.W. Uh, is mourning the fact that Grandma Thora said that she gets lonely without her sometimes. D.W.'s like, she gets so lonely without me. <laughs> and they realize that they have to do something, which leads directly into the episode, which is something that not all the cold openings have been doing uh, lately. Uh, and and so they get the idea of doing a surprise party for Grandma Thora, and uh, Arthur and D.W. pitch it to their parents in the car, and they kind of start to get ideas, but then Arthur and D.W. like pull on the reins a little bit of like, no, we want to do this ourselves. Like, we want to do every part of this by ourselves. The, their dad says the name of the episode. Like, and I, I almost rolled my eyes because we don't usually get this at Arthur episodes. But he's like, it's almost like some sort of Grandma Thora appreciation day. Like, the way he delivers it's very like, it's like. Hot he tub took, it, machine. Yeah, it's like he took his face off. off. <laughs> One take his face off, face off. <laughs> so their first their first move is to invite everybody to in- invite Grandma Thor's uh, close friends, which is kind of what Arthur's parents have in mind and what they have in mind too. But uh, off screen, it kind of gets uh, gets out among Arthur's friends that Arthur is having a party. And he has to like calm everybody down in the cafeteria because they start chanting for the party, yeah. Like they're da- like they're Daniel Bryan, and he's like, "No, no, no! It's a party for my grandma, and you, and you can't come." Our, and then this lead, yeah. Arthur almost Project X'd himself. Actually, I think he kind of <laughs> ends up doing it anyway. It, it, it leads to a it leads to a scene outside where he's clarifying to his friends of like, it's, it's like it's not that you're like specifically not invited. It's just that you wouldn't want to come. It's you know it's for old people and it wouldn't be very much fun. And yet his friends still lay this this really bad guilt trip on him. They're just like Binky's like starting to cry and Brain's just like it's okay, Arthur. If you'd rather hang out with your older, more interesting friends, we understand. And like it's just like dude. He said why you wouldn't have fun at this party. It's for his grandmother. Why do you want to go to a grandma party so bad? 
Listen, Will, FOMO is a hell of a thing. When you when fear, when you fe- when you got fear missing out. Yeah, exactly. When, there you go. Hey, you've redeemed yourself from PSL. Uh, yeah, but when, <laughs> but when the FOMO's raging, you know, you're you're at home. Uh, maybe you're watching Gilmore Girls on Netflix, eating some ramen, and it's a Friday night. You check the Instagram story, and people are just having a buck wild time on Instagram. And you're like, uh, I probably wouldn't have want to go to this if I was actually there. But looking at it now, it makes me sad. So even though they probably wouldn't have that great of a time at an old people party, they got that FOMO. Some people live the FUBU lifestyle. I live the FOMO lifestyle. I completely understand that. It's still... <laughs> Wait a the FUBU lifestyle? You mean for us, by us? Like the, cl- the clothing sh- brand? I sure, I sure do. Yikes. That, that's, that's a dated reference, if I ever heard yeah. one. I live that dated reference life, too. Oh, my gosh. We got to bring FUBU back like Kevin Nash. Yeah. that's You know what? That's the first person I think of when I think of FUBU is Kevin Nash. That and Jeff. Trying that to... and Jeff Gertzman. He wore a Fubu jersey on Good Morning America, introducing the Dreamcast. Excellent! What a man. Uh, so Arthur, of course, caves to peer pressure and is just like, "Okay, you can come, but don't tell anyone." And then everybody runs around the playground again, chanting "Party!" and if, and it's impossible to keep to uh, keep a lid on it at that, at that point. And then he's kind of commiserating with DW later, and DW just goes, we're ruined. We've only been planning for one day, and already we're ruined. I love when episodes, like, we got this in the episode where uh, Arthur scrapes his knee on the lima bean can. Uh, I like when DW and Arthur are, like, working together. They they have a good, like, buddy cop movie rep, uh, rapport with one another. Like, yeah. uh, Arthur's a great straight man for all of, like, DW's lines. Uh, and also, DW, like, balances out Arthur's nervousness with just her, like, general, uh, just the way she carries herself. They play off each other really well. Her more bombastic nature. Mm. I noticed a couple of names when uh, Arthur writes out the fact that they've invited 25 people. He's got names on there like Carol, Kenny, Richard, and Willie who are coming to the party. That's right. Dick and Willie are on their way, and they're going to have a great old time i i like how uh mom kind of comes in and just like how you guys doing and dw helps arthur to cover for this situation they're in and arthur's like thanks dw and dw says we're in this together arthur if you go down the drain i have to go with you <laughs> that's what i'm talking great. about i love their rapport it's true like it you're right it's a treat that we don't normally get very much and uh, I've, i really liked it here uh, so they get to uh, do their own grocery shopping for the party. And my question is, whose money do you think they're using? Because they go, uh, mom drives into the grocery store, but doesn't go in with them. <laughs> did, they, did she well, give them the credit yeah, card? Yeah, yeah, she just gives them money because she talks about how I don't like you guys shopping without me. So I assume she gave them a budget, but they demanded that they uh, do everything themselves. They just didn't say that they would financially back it themselves. I, I really liked this. Uh, <laughs> uh, when they go inside, Arthur gets the cart. DW shows him the grocery list. And it's, of course, written in her scribbles because she can't write. And she's, and Arthur says, this is just scribbles. And she says, it is not. It spells candy. And Arthur goes, it spells spigsta. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm surprised he got that it's, much it from it. It makes me laugh now. It, I'm surprised he got that much from it because it cuts back to, like, the actual paper uh, DW was writing on it, and it doesn't even have, like, you know, 
letters. Uh, uh, I forget what it's called, but like English lettering. It, it's just syntax. Yeah, it's just hieroglyphics. So uh, they decide that uh, DW will read and Arthur will buy. And they end up coming back with the candy, the candy, my God, the candy. Just uh, just heaps and heaps of it, mm. bags and bags. And all that they got was candy. That's right. Well, that was the only thing on DW's list. And mom's a little taken aback at how much that they had to buy. And she said, and she asked, finally asked them how many people that they invited. And love this great delivery from Arthur here again. He just goes, oh, I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, he pulls a George Costanza, which is a classic move. Yeah, he's, he's like kind of. His foot is kind of scraping the ground like when you taunt with Luigi in Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> he just co- covers his hand with his mouth and mumbles something. I'm like, that's that's the that's the best move when you have nothing but you just don't want to admit the truth. Mm. Uh, eventually, it does co- it does come out. Arthur kind of uh, plays to his mother's mercy, and they do kind of get away with it, but they just have to deal with the aftermath. Uh, so the guest list thing's taken care of. Now they have to figure out how to invite Grandma Thora. And uh, we go into a bit of an imagination for DW where she gets the idea to put the invitation in a fortune cookie uh, that uh, Grandma Thora will eat at a, like, Chinese lunch with Mrs. McGrady. (laughs) This whole whole aside reminds me of, uh, and this is such a Lucas Van City reference, but uh, top three episode of Nirvana the Band the Show is the Canada Day episode where they go to the Chinese restaurant to have lunch on Canada Day, and one of the members of Nirvana the Band uh, decides he doesn't want to be friends with the other member of Nirvana the Band, but he doesn't know that the other member has uh, figured out that he's planning on giving this, like, breakup speech to him, so he... Uh, does exactly what DW wants to in this imagination sequence and puts together this elaborate scheme to, like, uh, uh, change his mind through, like, trickery in the Chinese restaurant. So that's what this reminded me of. Yeah, and it... (laughs) It, it's just kind of funny from from concept because uh, I love that DW knows the guy at the fortune cookie company on like a first name basis so that she's able to charm her way in there and get the specific fortune into the cookie that will be in that specific meal. And what's more, mm. in the in her imagination, Mrs. McGrady opens it. It's just scribbles and she can't really read it. And then Grandma Thora takes it and says and can read it perfectly. So I thought that that was I, I just, the whole thing was really absurd in a very funny way. I, I will say as well, this whole uh, you know they're going through basically a checklist of things they have to do. Good on Arthur for using a to do list. I found that my life has gotten a lot more organized since I started making to do lists. Everybody, if you want a little piece of advice from your pal Will, make a to do list for things that you want to do in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. It will uh, it will help you to get it done. Our ne- our next thing is that. Is that now the big thing is to decorate, which uh, Arthur and DW trying to take on themselves, and I love how DW comes up to him with what is clearly a balloon that hasn't been inflated yet, and Arthur just goes, "What's that?" And DW's like, "It's a balloon," and Arthur's like, "That's not a balloon. Balloons are round." And just like, okay, so which apparently, which we Arthur obviously hasn't been paying attention. Uh, because we know that square balloons exist in the Arthur universe. That's right, as long as you blow square breaths. But I just found it kind of funny that Arthur had seemingly never seen an uninflated balloon before, and uh, maybe maybe the concept of having to blow it up himself was escaping him. 
Uh, so it's not exactly going gangbusters. And then all of a sudden, Grandma Thora is at the front door because her car broke down nearby and she's looking to uh, call a repair company. And I did like this, uh, how mom has to run interference for grandma. Like, as soon as she opens the door, she has to say in, like, her stage voice of, like, well, hello, Thora, what are you doing here? Yeah, I, lo- I love her, like, projecting, like, uh, did you hear that, kids? Grandma Thora's coming in the house. Like, it, this was a great bit. Yeah. Very, like, 80s sitcom. Yeah, just, just, I'm just like, hey, hope nothing's going on in the other room. Again, like, the, sh- the shenanigans in this, ep- in this episode is very high. And I like and I like me some good shenanigans. Also, couldn't help but notice. So Grandma Thora ends up having to stay the night because the uh, the next time the repairman can get to her car is uh, the next morning. I like every practically every time they show Grandma's teeth in the glass. There's always like a glint. It's like it's like it's like when a cartoon character shows a gold tooth, except it's just like no, that's just her whole teeth, my man. It's like uh, in the new uh, Homestar Runner sk- skit where it, oh, what's the word they say there's a word they say that changes their mouth if you've watched the newest homestar runner bit that came out like a couple of weeks ago you know what i'm talking about but they have this like photorealistic teeth and there's a little glint exactly like what you're describing oh man i, th- I think oh. i've been trying to keep up on homestar but i don't know if i've seen that one do you what what do you it's, remember what it's called it's fantastic i don't know but i think it's it's on their youtube channel and stuff like right. that so i'll send it to you later yeah i'll have to go on a dive for that one arthur and dw their plan is to uh, get up in the middle of the night and quietly decorate the downstairs so that they can do it when grandma thora isn't there and have it ready in time for everything so they go a little they go a little crazy they get a little nuts and uh, they managed to do all the decorating and completely wipe themselves out, except they forgot one thing, which was on the back of the to-do list, bake the cake. Oh my goodness, this whole thing, it, like, again, like I said before when I said, uh, like, Arthur's mom projecting was a very 80s sitcom thing, I'm now starting to realize how, like, 80s sitcom this whole episode is. The whole, like, try and throw a surprise party for someone concept. It's kind of a rogue concept, but it's just fun seeing these characters do it. Yeah. Specifically when they try and bake that fateful cake. Yeah, it seems like, uh, like, I, ju- I just uh, recently watched through the whole series of BoJack Horseman again. It just seems like something that BoJack would be watching on TV, one of the old episodes of Horsin' Around exactly mm. to your point uh i like them i like them as kids reading recipes and just remembering how um how much of a foreign language recipes used to be when you were a kid before you knew what things meant because like arthur goes one lub flour uh, i love this line i think i didn't even understand this as a kid because i didn't understand like what lb like pounds were so this is like a really funny line in retrospect yeah one lub flour what's a lub Okay, skip that one. So they manage to get something together, and then they have to blend it all, and they use the automatic, like the Cuisinart blender. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, it goes right in their eyes. It goes a little nuts. Uh, <laughs> Arthur just... DW screams, DW screams, I can't see! And I, that's what I was leading up to, was that wonderful read uh, by Michael Kalos of, you know, Arthur's like, turn it off, and then uh, DW's just, oh, I can't see! <laughs> Like she's on the Titanic or something. Well, like she thought she was blinded forever <laughs> yeah. by this like machine. 
And, uh, of course, this brings mom and dad downstairs and greeted by DW. Another great line here. Hi, what brings you here? And, uh, I, and I mean, look, a lot of these lines are really well done, even if they are not like directly funny. Like, and I liked the way that this set itself up here. So immediately after that, Arthur just looks at them and goes, mom, dad, and dad goes, son, <laughs> just like, <laughs> you can explain this to me. And they just go, help. So they do, and uh, they manage to make... Uh, d- d- in the middle of the night, uh, Arthur's dad manages to make a pretty darn good-looking cake and four delicious cupcakes for them all to enjoy. Although I question the uh, the idea of giving the kids sugar at, like, what I'm assuming to be, like, 1 a.m. in the morning. Little do they know he crushed up gravel into those cupcakes uh, <laughs> to knock his kids out. And, uh, and DW's just like, this is fun. Can we stay up late tomorrow night and make taffy? And they're both like, no. <laughs> it's, like, it's a great sequence. I love that whole thing yeah. of them decorating. Yeah, I, I, I think it really is, like, the high point of the episode, specifically the, the sequence of Arthur and DW trying to put that cake together. So in the morning, of course, since they were up so late, everybody is fast asleep when Grandma Thor leaves. Uh, good thing she didn't step foot in the living room or else the whole surprise would have been ruined. And later that day, once everybody's up, they have everybody there and they're kind of kind of in the same outfits as they are for any birthday. You know, they yeah, Muffy's got her party. Muffy's got her party pigtails. Yeah. Uh, Biggie's party outfit. I realize he just looks like a palette swapped Babar. Like <laughs> he's wearing like he's not wearing. <laughs> he. he He's not wearing Babar's uh, <laughs> patented green suit, but it's essentially the same suit but blue, and he's got Babar's crown. It's oh my god, you're so right, and I'm I'm laughing because I can't believe I didn't see it for myself. And as soon as you said it, I know exactly what you mean. Oh, yeah, that's that's, that's a good future Halloween costume to keep in mind. I feel like Babar is a real oh, solid choice. That's a, that's a very good observation, Lucas. Uh, the only problem with Babar is finding a green suit. I mean, if you if you're the kind of guy that like you had an old Riddler costume, you can uh, uh, have it find new life by getting a crown and a trunk and then boom riddler no more now you're babar uh, sorry lucas i'm afraid i don't have an old riddler costume lying around <laughs> i wish though i wish i had any riddler yeah. costume lying around uh so everybody kind of gets in place to uh surprise to surprise her uh i will note here as well binky his disguise is just him standing up with a lampshade on his head Solid. Yeah, I just think that's a great visual. But then uh, Arthur and DW realize that they forgot to tell Grandma Thora what time the party or what time to come over. And then, oh no, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I'm allergic to uh, uh, cliches. <laughs> oh no, the prom's tomorrow. So of course they can't reach her, and uh, they realize that it's going to be Grandma Thora Appreciation Day without Grandma Thora. But then uh, they just decide to grin and bear it and have fun at the party anyway. Uh, and then uh, as they are continuing to party, Grandma Thora comes in the back door and surprises everybody. And uh, then they manage to kind of surprise her. Uh, great! Sh- we get a really great, uh, uh, like, screen, basically, from 
Arthur's mom, she does like a spit take almost where she's like, oh, hey, Thora. And then she's like, Thora? Like, we get a freeze frame of like her shocked face. Yeah, that was that was one of the ones that I uh, took it took an image capture for for the week ahead. Uh, so they finally managed to surprise her. And uh, Grandma Thora, of course, taken aback, wasn't expecting this because it isn't her, her birthday. And then Arthur and D.W. explained that they put on the whole party so that because they thought she was sad and they put on the party so that she wouldn't be sad. And uh, Grandma kind of thinks about it for a second. And then kind of I think what she decided to do was she decided to play along of just like, oh, that's right. I was a little sad and just like maybe not maybe not kind of understanding where they're coming from, but appreciating the effort. And then, of course, the. The cap off line of just like, but now that you've made this party, I'm the happiest grandmother in the world. So it's a very schmaltzy ending, but you know it's very good natured. I was I was fine with it. Uh, when they all jump out and say surprise, speaking of freeze frames, it kind of looks like that Ellen DeGeneres uh, Oscar selfie with like Jared Leto like running in uninvited, uh, but as with he, a bunch as of he Arthur does. characters. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like my life. Every time I see Jared Leto, like, he's uninvited. Um, but it, it looks like that, that famous Ellen DeGeneres Oscar selfie, but with Arthur characters. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now, and <laughs> you're kind of right. Let's see... Let's see if this can get more retweets. Uh, I'm oh yeah. Totally gonna... Well, I feel like I th- I think that selfie's actually been uh, uh, dethroned as the most retweeted image on Twitter. The most retweeted image is now the picture of President uh, former President Obama uh, talking to these three kids, and they're all of different ethnicities. So there's like a black kid, an Asian kid, and a white kid, and Obama's like talking to them through a window. That's the now the most retweeted image. Well, that's good. I I I I, I I'm fine with that. I mean, hey hey, in my like tier list of human beings obama beats jared leto any day of the week that's and i i would i would hope in anybody's as well (laughs) oh no all those 32nd to mars fans (laughs) and now a word from us kids this was this was a nice one it was these kids uh planning a surprise party for their teacher now will and i i hate to you know sort of part the kimono here but do you think this was a work do you think the teacher actually didn't know that this was gonna happen i was that was the biggest question i had i was like okay this is in this teacher's class so how are they organizing a surprise party for this teacher without this teacher knowing like the camera crew i just i question if this truly was a capital s surprise party you know what i mean yes i do i i i wrote down the same thing of like uh uh i I, not so much of was the teacher in on it but just who coordinated this like who kind of saw this through was it uh, it seemed that maybe another teacher would have taken charge but i mean this is a lot for kid kids to coordinate especially you know a group of kids you know, try trying to come together on something because they got like they got popcorn, they got uh, they got a cake that they decorated. One kid is like printing off like the like dot matrix banners from one of those nineties printers. I know. I, my favorite part of any A Word From Us Kids segment is always when someone's using one of those old computers uh, and whatever, like, dot, ma- like, yeah, I wrote down, too, whatever uh, uh, 
It's not MS Paint, but like some pre-MS Paint illustration program. I was very impressed with this child. Me too. I have expected them to be like, and now let's play. We're gonna play Oregon Trail for the teachers' uh, party. No, that's no. She's totally the kid who like ha- hacked in hacked in a Doom mod in, onto her. Uh, <laughs> no, onto no. Her computer. I. I I wrote happy birthday in the level editor in Load Runner for uh, the for DOS uh, to wish the teacher happy birthday. Surprise! And I'm and I'm almost and I'm almost through King's Quest Five. Ooh, I feel like that's even a little later. King's Quest Five, solid game though. Uh, no, yeah, I, th- I I I just you know this was a really sweet thing to do. No matter who put it on. Uh, it was cool that they it was cool that they got to do this, and it's very much a kid sensibility of like. Uh, let's make popcorn. And they just put in the popcorn in the microwave and just like put a put a few kernels on everybody's cafeteria tray. And like, oh, it's very sweet in its own uh, lo-fi way. And now, back to uh, okay, so then we get into the second episode, which is a, very much a departure uh, from the norm here on Arthur, as we've seen so far. It is Fern's slumber party. Oh, you got you got that right. Uh, amongst all. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but boy, is this episode special, man. It's true. And even from the get-go, Arthur, nowhere to be seen. I feel like Arthur has had a monopoly on the cold opens uh, in this this season so far. And, of course, on his show, because it is the show named after him. But Fern gets the cold open along with her mother, who is kind of already established to be a little overbearing. So Fern is kind of playing by herself. And then, then, like, in reality show style, the camera kind of... Uh, comes into her room like cinema verite, and she's mm. and she's taken off guard by it. And she's not really sure what to say. And then uh, her mother kind of comes into the frame of just, well, hello, uh, and kind of sh- showing Fern how to do a proper cold open. Like sh- she even says, like now when Arthur does it, he talks right to the camera, just like this. There's even like when she puts when Fern's mother puts her face up to the the camera. She, there's even like a little bit of a fish eye lens effect. As if you were doing that in real life. I thought that was well, that, was even, nice t- that was a nice touch. Even the even the way the shots framed is in like a mockumentary style. Like usually when Arthur looks at the camera in a cold open, it's more like Ferris Bueller, whereas this is more like The Office or something. Just the way the camera uh, zooms in and focuses on Fern and kind of tilts around. It's very. Uh, it's not like animation. It's very like trying to frame it in a mockumentary style. This whole sequence is very fourth wall breaking because after uh, Fern's mom suggests to do it like Arthur, uh, Fern says, "Just go to the title card. Maybe that swimming one." And if you were a kid, like that's that might be a joke that goes way over your head. But as an adult, I was like, "Wow, that's like hilarious." Specifically that they're referencing that there's basically three or four title cards that they rotate through, and it's like maybe that swimming one i don't know i just thought this was really interesting i remember i remember liking that as a kid because that was one of the few that was like one of the first moments where i was like oh the show knows that it's a tv show like i know it's a tv show but now it knows it's a tv show too i remember it like rocking my world a little bit note here that fern is voiced by holly g frankel uh for any of you pbs kids out there she also voiced sagwa the chinese siamese cat sagwa that's right uh is that the one that had the theme like that yes it's like sagwa i get that confused with like sagwa and pretty much every oh wait oh yeah sagwa yo my best friend is that the one that's it that's it okay i i get those confused because like there's there's dragon tales is like 
for a second there, I was going to say Dragon Tales is like, Dragon, Dragon, but that's Dragon <laughs> Ball. I, 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 I guess I don't actually remember what the theme no, of Dragon no, Tales It's uh, Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales, let's all go to Dragon Tales. Come along, mm. take my hand, let's all go to Dragon Land. That kind of it's 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 like that. It's it is not Rock the Dragon from Dragon Ball Z. Dragon, 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 dragon Ball Z. Dragon, dragon, rock, dragon, oh gee, you know what's even you know? Okay, so Rock the Dragon from Dragon Ball Z is not great by any means. You know what's even worse is the the Canadian dub version of the Dragon Ball Z opening it's wait there was there was a different one for canada yes there was so rock the dragon was i think the the american one and then there was a different one for i think uh for so there was a canadian uh group that did some of the uh voice dubbing for the original run of dragon ball z in north america the ocean group and i think with that one it was like it was a different theme song it was a different theme song and it was just basically a guy going, Dragon, Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball, Dragon, 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 Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball, Z. Dragon, Dragon Ball, Z. Dragon, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, Z. Dragon, Dragon Ball, Z. Dragon Ball, Z. Dragon Ball Z. I forgot about that one. Very grindcore. It, I guess it's if only every C- Canadian uh, anime theme could be as good as Drake's performance of the Spider Riders theme. Before Drake was Drake, he was a session musician. And if you look it up, this is true. The uh, often forgotten bad anime Spider Riders. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before. Steve Sog was performed by you. You have, and Lucas, I hate, I hate, I really hate to do this to you again, but it was actually debunked. That is not Drake. What is that on Snopes? Like, yeah, no, I remember I looked it up after you told it to me, and it's like, oh, that's not Drake, but it's a common misconception. Oh, I'm googling this just. To, it's not that I don't believe no, you. you, you got to know for, for your, you got to know for yourself. I, I yeah. understand. Uh, okay, let. <laughs> from all that, back to Fern. Uh, the episode kind of starts with um, Fern accompanying her mother, and the first couple of minutes of the episode are her mother um, talking up Fern's best qualities, or at least her best qualities as she sees them, and as she, like she, kind of the the kid that she wishes that Fern was. Like she wishes that she was, um, excuse me, a bit more of a leader. But then Fern kind of combats with her own uh, imagination of how she's a lot more introverted and not comfortable. With public speaking, it's a little hard to uh, it's a little hard to uh, explain. But uh, like for example, in one of them, uh, Fer, uh, Fern's mother imagines that she creates a computer AI. I found the Vice article you're referencing, which is actually very very in depth, and I highly recommend you check out this Vice article about wait did Drake write the theme song to the popular Japanese slash Canadian cartoon? Uh, as disappointed as I am. I'm excited about this computer segment because basically Ferd invents Siri before Siri. Right. Or like or like Cortana or something like that. 
that's right. It's it's like it's like an old. It looks like an old Mac computer with the uh, with the speakers mounted on the side. I forgot that we used to do that with computers before the speakers were built in, and that's kind of like its ears. And then it has like a face on the monitor, and it tells a joke in binary. Uh, anybody out there know what the binary what the binary joke is, and if it lands, like let us know what it is, because I have no idea how to read binary or understand it. Uh, my 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 guess was they didn't actually use something in binary. It's at binary, and it's just nonsense. But I. I would hope there's a secret message encoded in there. So so this is how her mother imagines her, and then Fern thinks of the same thing, except in her imagination, the AI is far more interesting and dynamic than she is, and kind of uh, t- takes over the stage from her. Because Oh my god, th- this computer, the second computer's jokes are hilarious. Like, it's channeling some sort of, like, robotic Rodney Dangerfield. I thought this was, like super funny yeah it's i mean it's it's like it's like he it's like he's doing his tight five at uh at just for laughs he's kind of like uh he he, he 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 does do the no respect bit a couple of times I, w- I was gonna say he's literally talking about how his computer family can't get no respect not even uh, an article in pc magazine <laughs> i'm still laughing about it now i thought this was hilarious between that and uh the and arthur's stomach saying that he gets no respect i think somebody was watching like some rodney dangerfield vhs in the arthur in the arthur writer's room and they just wanted to work mm. that in a couple places uh worth noting here um when Fern has the imagination about the computer, it's because her mother thinks that she should sign up for a computer camp. And Fern says, dad taught me all about computers. So we get a slight mention of Fern's dad, but it's not confirmed what his status is right now. Uh, so, mm-hmm. But we do know that Fern's mother, Doria Walters, is a single mother, and her name is Fern Walters. Uh, in the next uh, bit of imagination, uh, you know, uh, Doria talks about how Fern is like so charming and how like if she wanted to she could end global warning, warming patch the ozone layer and discover a natural oil spill cleanser it's almost like she's a Richard Branson type and, Ooh, and, this whole this whole segment just got me depressed it, I was like man we were talking about global warming and washing oil off like birds back in the 90s and like it's still something we deal with every day like this um more than 20 years later right like i don't know this whole thing like given the context of where we are now and where we were then i was like oh jeez uh and fern's idea of the press of of her at this would be be her boring everybody to sleep at a press conference so she doesn't have a great deal of self-confidence or at least not the kind that her mother thinks that she should have. Uh, we go to, I believe it's like a, a bake sale or some such. Uh, the, that's what they're kind of, you know, they're going around doing things like creating flyers uh, for uh, a bake sale at school or like a social of some sort. Uh, and uh, Fern's mother makes cookies and uh, Francine is there in kind of her party best. Fern's mother has the cookies and Francine is just like, 
Uh, let me pass them out, Mrs. Walters. I love to distribute. Which is just a funny line. Like, what is Francine? Stalin? Like, she <laughs> loves to distribute? It's a weird way of framing that, but I got a kick out of it. And then, speaking of funny lines, Francine, I was, like, busting a gut over this. Francine's like, Arthur, you get the Liberty Bell cookie, because you're cracked. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm laughing about it now! I, I think I just like it when people call people cracked. It's- but but I, I thought that was. She's funny. not serving up cookies. She's serving up a roast. Uh huh. She, she also shows off a new bracelet that she has that will come into play later in the episode. It's like a knockoff kind of Egyptian bracelet that she thinks is, you know, worn by Cleopatra. And then Muffy kind of looks at it and says, "Made in Japan." So. It's just kind of a little cheap little fashion, but Francine really likes it. Francine even, like, uh, gives a cookie to Fern, and the whole thing is just like, here, you can have this one. I don't know what personality it is, because she's giving out the cookies based on everybody's personality, and you can kind of see Doria wishing that Fern uh, was a little bit more like Francine, actually, that she was a bit more uh, assertive, that she was more confident, uh, and that she would kind of make use of her positive aspects a little bit more. And thankfully, I think in the episode, it doesn't necessarily, or at least for me, it didn't come across as too much. Like, it was just to the point where it was it could be annoying, but I felt that it was believable that, you know, this parent wants their kid to succeed. And I, like, had that myself when I was a kid of just, like, your parents just want you to show you, just want you to show uh, your innate talent and your the confidence that you have in doing uh, in doing well. And Fern is just not really all that confident in herself. Oh, well, I thought this, like, the characterization of Fern's mom in this episode is super realistic. Like, I think that's just a really, like, realistic pairing of, like, this kid, Fern, who's actually particularly gifted and smart, and her mom, who knows all these things about her, but to the outside world, you know, Fern's very much an introvert, and so, like, Fern's mom uh, wants to sort of shout from the rooftops all of Fern's positive qualities, and that's what this opening, the opening sequence is so good at setting up. Um, You know, we've been introduced to Fern before in the episode about the uh, poetry slam and some other episodes, but this really is, I think, like, the best introduction to Fern's character, because we get to such a deep dive into sort of how her home life operates and what her uh relationship with her mom is like but it is very basically like fern's mom just wants you know fern to have friends and and for other people to see in her what she sees in her exactly uh and as we see in the next scene like fern is very brilliant she is very uh she's very smart she's well read uh, she but she very much prefers the company of herself like she's playing alone with her Sherlock Holmes dolls and I'll be honest her Sherlock Holmes story sounded pretty good like I it's like it's something about an East Bora Borean peanut that like was acting as a poison or something and uh, uh, acting as Fern Watson and I thought that that was a uh, uh, interesting I would like to hear more of her Sherlock Holmes story so then her mother comes in and insists that Fern uh, host a slumber party because then that way she'll be able to kind of, uh, you know, be host to her friends and be able to kind of show herself off a little bit. And we see them making invitations for the party. And man, you want to talk you. I know you already said it, but this was this was kind of depressing. And I definitely related to it because of that. Uh, Fern makes up this um, 
this uh, invitations to the party that are in a code from a Sherlock Holmes story. And then uh, her mother says, well, what if the other kids can't uh, decode it? She says, then they won't come and they'll be happy because they won't want to they won't want to come to my slumber party anyway. I'm boring. Fern, Fern, Fern wants to make an ARG so hard that people can't get to her slumber party. That's right. And then it immediately cuts from Fern saying, I'm boring, and her mother saying, nobody thinks you're boring, to uh, the girls talking about having to go to Fern's slumber party, and it's going to be boring. And Muff- Muffy says, I might as well just wear my sleeping bag. I'll be falling asleep so fast. Uh, we it's, get- uh, it's pretty cold. Um, we we get a, a a line from Arthur about he's like well at least like Fred's mom will have all this delicious food typical Arthur only thinking about his stomach yeah and typical Arthur growing up with the privilege of a father who's a chef like not everybody is going to be cooking to that level of quality my son uh, I did I and that did lead into uh, a line actually from a character that we've not been introduced to yet Jenna so there's uh, Francine Muffy and Prunella. And then Jenna, who is the uh, gray cat, uh, Muffy says one and, cannot. And, and from this yeah. episode, the two things we learn about Jenna, uh, actually three things we learn about Jenna, is Jenna likes eating much like Arthur. She When yeah. she says, speak for yourself, Muffy, when uh, Muffy says one cannot. That, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was getting up to is Muffy's like, one cannot spend an entire party eating and just like, speak for yourself, Muffy. And I just gave a little thumbs up. The other two things we learn about Jenna, much like ourselves, she's messy. Well, I don't know about you, but she's messy, and she likes professional wrestling. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, so then they decide that, uh, thankfully, not in like a mean way, but they are going to help Fern make a fun slumber party on like through through their own efforts, and they're not going to like uh, uh, go along with whatever plans. Fern has and again it could this could be the part where it like takes a really mean turn but it's just like I think they just anticipate that they'll be bored so they have to kind of make uh, their own fun so that's the night of the slumber party and uh, Fern overheard them saying like this is going to be so much fun uh, when they decide to kind of make their own fun and then she gets kind of excited she gets a little bit a little bit of confidence a little bit of a shot in the arm as they arrive uh, uh, Francine kind of puts forth that uh they brought their own uh, games to do, uh, which happened to be a lot of games that Francine is very good at. Much like in the episode of The Slime, uh, The Slime only insists on playing games it is good at. Oh my goodness, I didn't even put two and two together, but it's true. Oh, Francine. Yeah, she's like playing, it reminded me when I, I tried to play Seen It, uh, Seen It with my family. Uh, my family says I'm not allowed to play Seen It with them every any ever again because, well... I win every time. Yeah, I. you know what? I can totally see you wrecking it, seen it. That sounds exactly <laughs> like something you'd be good at. It's uh, not fun for anybody else, I'll tell you that much. I would, I, I'd challenge you one of these Ooh, days. I'll take all comers. Excellent. Fra- like, Francine wins a board game and then immediately is like, paddle ball contest and... Everybody kind of groans. Sue Ellen's just like, we're not going to play another game that you're going to win, Francine. And Francine goes, I may not win, Sue Ellen. Nothing in life is certain. And she's sure to show off that bracelet as she's uh, playing paddle ball to herself. That's right. Her bracelet is very uh, noticeable on her character and uh, on her character model. She wears it on her wrist. This is where we kind of get a little bit of a peek at... Uh, uh, maybe Jenna's innate love of professional wrestling. It's funny, the parallels between uh, Arthur's Jenna and my Jenna, who is my fiance. Oh, right! 
right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like both of them like food. They're both kind of messy. And, <laughs> and, they, and they both like professional wrestling, question mark. Uh, because Muffy brings out her action figure of Decathlon Debbie, who is, you know, some sort of athlete. And Jenna counters with her doll of Amazonia Warrior Princess, who will wrestle Decathlon Debbie. And Muffy just goes, Decathlon Debbie doesn't wrestle. Ugh. So uh, that I mean, who's, who's... not exactly hard proof, but hey, uh, when have I ever needed that to uh, go with in professional wrestling? Who's to say that Greco-Roman wrestling is not included in the what is it five events of the Decathlon? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Deca is is uh, five in Greek. There's one crazy athlon that's like ten things where you have to like ride a horse and shoot a gun. I forget what it's called though. Yeah. And like maybe at the same time, I I no 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 I don't think it's at the same time. That's a biathlon is where you ski and then shoot a gun. But there's one that was supposed to like it's a really old Olympic event that's supposed to simulate the uh, uh, everything you have to do in war. So there's like fencing. Oh, but it's uh, yeah yeah I forget what it's called though. Like pentathlon maybe maybe heptathlon. I know that's another one. Anyway. Uh... Those aside, we we even get a line here from Prunella I thought was kind of funny. She's like, I brought a label maker. What needs identifying? I know. I the this scene is really like I love this part where they're all sitting around this table and they're sort of all introducing the thing that they brought to the party. And it's a really great aside because one, it's funny because everybody kind of basically gets a joke uh as they bring their object. Classic prop quality comedy Gallagher, am I right? <laughs> but everybody gets a joke in their prop, but it also basically shows a little something something about their character for instance jenna's a little bit more uh let's say rough around the edges than muffy who's very like prim and proper and she's got her girly doll and then <laughs> uh prudella's like i got this label maker like it, i just thought the way the seeds cut together is very snappy and funny and i enjoyed it a lot yeah i agree eventually they run out of things to do and they're just literally sitting there being bored and fern feels the party is kind of collapsing around her but then it gets a little bit of a shot in the arm when francine realizes that her uh her egyptian uh bracelet is gone and may have indeed been stolen and i i was watching this and i'm like i can't believe i didn't see this setup coming it seems so obvious because of course when has Francine ever had that Egyptian bracelet, and when does she ever have it again? So, of course, she's going to lose it, and it leads to uh, uh, Fern being able to ta- to assert herself in a way that she feels confident. She becomes the detective of the party, and I love I, know- I love this sequence. Oh, my gosh. This is so awesome, and like you said, like... I should have seen it coming, too, because I was like, why is this bracelet in this? I kind of remembered it, but I didn't remember that. I know they're doing a Sherlock Holmes thing, but basically this episode is an Agatha Christie novel. Like, uh, it, it, tur- it it like turns on a dime from Fern being anxious about this party and hoping not to bore everybody to this is murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Like, and it's so awesome. Yeah, because it leads to a series of imaginations where, like, Fern knows what happened to the bracelet and where it is, but but she's stringing everybody along and turning it into a detective, a a mystery narrative. And in her imagination, everybody has like a different persona. Like uh, Sue Ellen has like the the uh, stereotypical like adventurer's outfit, like somebody like adventuring through the wilds of Africa. Uh, Prunella is like uh, a 1920s uh, flapper. 
and then uh, and like everybody else is kind of dressed period appropriately for what would be like a mystery in the nineteen in the nineteen twenties. I thought that was really cool. And even uh, there are new sound effects for the starting and stopping of dream sequences. I think it's it almost sounds like uh, the rattling of wind chimes. So Fern orchestrates this whole parlor scene of leading up to what happened to the bracelet. So and it it even has like twists and turns. Like it looks like Muffy took it because she was wearing it for a spell, and. Uh, uh, uh- and the execution of this is so perfect because it's basically this imagination sequence of all these period-appropriate outfits like playing out the scene, but we have Fern's narration breaking it all down, uh, which is very much like performative and like, uh, let me lay out what happened with the power of deduction. But it's also interrupted with uh, Francine interjecting with accusations at everybody. So like the second uh, Fern sets up one person like Buffy trying on the bracelet and then putting it down, before uh, Buffy even puts the bracelet down for uh francine's like it was muffy wasn't it or like jenna gets a gets a chip bag over the bracelet and then just like jenna you ate my bracelet and (laughs) this keeps interrupting and then finally it is revealed that or i I should say um there's there's a moment here that i i uh obviously didn't hear correctly when i was a kid or didn't understand um prunella is as we see in the flashbacks very fastidious and like uh, kind of a neat freak as she is like picking things out of the carpet as uh, Jenna is like knocking stuff onto the onto the carpet as she's eating and I th- and she and she's picking it out of the carpet and she says stupid fringe like stupid fringe because it's really hard to get stuff out of that fringe I thought when she, when I was little that Prunella said stupid friends oh. and was being like super mean but no this this makes a whole lot more sense anyway just something, just a, we also, a loop we, I was able to we close. Also, oh, sorry. We also get a great line about, because, again, everybody's wearing different outfits. Like, it's not, it's obviously a slightly embellished retelling of the events to make it more dramatic. Uh, complete with the thunder and lightning storm outside, uh, which someone remarks, I don't remember a thunderstorm. And so Ellen goes, shh, it's atmospheric. Oh, I love this. Yeah. And then finally it's revealed that what happened was when Jenna put down the chip bag over the bracelet, Prunella cleaned up after Jenna and scooped the bracelet into the bag of chips and put them in the trash. To which I was like, Prunella, I know that you're being neat and that's very nice for a party guest, but you threw away a whole bag of chips. I wrote that down too. Like, what a waste of chips. Ugh. They must have been the uh, saltless kind. I, you know, she was willing to throw you, them out that You know what? Quickly. I can only hope because then I wouldn't be so sad about it. Anyway, then Fern reveals that it, it was in accidentally thrown out in the garbage and everybody kind of applauds. Uh, they thought they were very entertained by that. Uh, Jenna says, Fern, you're a regular Encyclopedia Brown. And uh, Fern says, he's a bit of an amateur, actually. <laughs> Which I can't. Yeah, sick, sick Encyclopedia Brown burn. I was like, I, I, I mean, I guess he's no Sherlock Holmes, but what other detectives are we gonna dug on next? Nancy Drew. Well, it, it was a, it was a very like subtle way of saying like, of how advanced of a reader that Fern is from everybody else. Like in the third grade, uh... you you would be reading like Encyclopedia Brown, but clearly Fern has graduated to Sherlock Holmes, which you know I didn't read Sherlock Holmes until I was in university, and like 
That's because I never uh, sought it out on my own. And then, like, that was when it was prescribed to me in a mystery and detective fiction class. But I didn't get around to Sherlock Holmes for a long time. So you would have to really be interested in it at a young age and be a strong reader at that as well. And then the episode ends with uh, Ferd entertaining everybody by reading from The Hound of the Baskervilles, uh, the classic Sherlock Holmes story. And uh, her mother kind of being able to be happy and just like, I knew this party was the right thing to do. And again, very, very positive ending uh, to that episode. Let's rewind a little bit and go back to a Grandma Thora Appreciation Day. What'd you think of that episode? Uh, it's a very, like, very simple, basic episode. Uh, there's be- almost no drama in it, really, besides uh, sort of Arthur and D.W. kind of not quite getting the party together by themselves and messing up with the cake. That's like the only part point in the episode where there's kind of stakes or failure. Uh, everything else is just kind of like fun character moments with Arthur and DW working together to make grandma Thora happy. And you know what? Sometimes not every Arthur episode needs to have stakes. Sometimes it's just fun to hang out with these characters. And I think this episode, uh, it, it's very sh- it feels really short it moves quickly it's nothing special or uh super fantastic or standout uh but it's got a ton of great dw lines so it's just fun on its own i agree um I, and i think you made some great points about it that kind of helped me understand my own feelings on it as well uh the arthur and dw dynamic is very good in this episode and not like we get and i, I you know what i i pretty much a- agree with you completely it's a very nice light fun episode and yeah I, I feel like sometimes we can get a little bit like oh this didn't really have a great message or this didn't really say something I'm just like nah this is this one is just a lot of fun and it works because a lot of the writing is still very funny no matter how old you are the situations are you know tried and true to a fault like like you said 80 sitcom reminiscent and but you know what it's a reason pe- there's a reason people use those cliches over and over and that's because they work it's true yeah you're right and i don't think that there's any harm in dipping into it here in fact it's a little bit uh, a little bit charming in a way and uh, and and it leaves you with a good feeling so i think that if you're going for like a lighter episode of arthur this is absolutely a good one now, if you want to get a little bit, I won't say heavier, but if you want to have a little bit more depth to your Arthur episode, this is one of the best ones of this season. No question. Fern Slumber Party. I love this episode. Um, it was great to remind myself of the character of Fern because I hadn't interact with her, interacted with it in quite a long time. And I was surprised by how much I related to her. I... Uh, you know, I, I've said before that Arthur is really the central character that I find myself uh, gravitating towards just because I find I'm a lot like him. But Fern, I've struck a chord with me as well. She's the introverted, shy kid who has trouble opening up to, you know, groups of her peers. But then you get her talking about something that she's genuinely interested in. And, oh, you, you can't stop her. She's so into mystery and detective fiction. I remember when I was little... Or not when I was when I was younger, and my sister, who's who was seven years older than me, she would have been in like junior high at the time. I was watching an episode, like a Fern episode, and my sister's just like, "Fern's such a goth," and it's kind of true. <laughs> like as as she gets older, I can totally see Fern uh, steering more towards a goth mentality. Yeah, yeah. Fern Fern's favorite band is definitely The Cure. Absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. She's and she's into like the classics, like uh, Velvet Underground and stuff like that. Uh, I, I really, I really like Fern as a character and I, and I loved 
the flow of this episode went from like kind of um, having her be at her lowest point from almost the get go, like very unconfident, uh, very almost like almost depressed in a way, which I, I also related with. But then at the end, when she finally like gets confident, when she's able to speak in front of her friends, like it's triumphant. You you feel so good when she leads that whole parlor scene. And it was awesome. Like, I really loved this episode. I love the character of Fern. As we said, I thought the character of her mother was balanced very well. It was somebody who wants to see her kids succeed but and is, and is kind of overbearing about it. But it wasn't to, like, she wasn't the antagonist of the episode, which, you know. I, re- I really like how all the parents in Arthur so far are very distinct. Like, uh, Fern's mom and, say, Buster's mom and Francine's mom and Arthur's mom are all totally different. Uh, characters unto themselves uh, and I really appreciate how well they're able to basically separate the parents and make them different from one another yeah and uh, and it also had some cool like visual and uh, flourishes that made it unlike a lot of other episodes that we've seen I just I'm nothing but good things to say about this episode I loved it it's one of my favorites of this season uh, I totally agree with you I think for in slumber party Uh, Not only is it one of the best episodes of season two, it's one of the best episodes, period, I think I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, From the framing of breaking the fourth wall in the opening, it lets you know, hey, this Arthur episode is going to be a little bit different. We get some awesome characters set up with uh, Fern and Fern's mom uh, basically playing out these fantasy scenarios uh, that both perfectly illustrate how uh, differently they think about Fern. Uh, in all of Fern's mom scenarios, Fern is like outgoing and solves all these problems. And in all of Fern's imaginary sequences, she's got much more of a lower opinion of herself. Uh, and the episode moves, it sort of moves from this like character piece of setting up uh, Fern's character to a different sort of episode where it's Fern being anxious about this party and her mom's trying to encourage her to be in this party and then it turns into a murder mystery at the end well no murder but it turns into like a classic clue uh, in the library Mr. Plum with a candlestick uh, Agatha Christie Sherlock Holmes murder mystery which is not something I was expecting and I was really stoked to see it was fun to get an episode with all the girl characters and Muffy wasn't really yeah. being annoying she yeah. was just being more of a character same with Prudella Prudella wasn't being annoying either everybody was just kind of having little funny character moments like that scene where they're all showing off whatever toy they brought to the thing I loved this episode it's uh it's all the things you said but it's also really entertaining uh, it's just like a really fun episode to watch from a storytelling perspective. Everything they try works super well, and so I had a blast watching it. Yeah, great point about it being like a, a an episode with all of the girls together. I think we've been waiting for that one for a while. And hey, shout out to my fellow Ferns. I'm sure that this episode spoke a lot to those young boys and girls who feel a lot more like Fern than maybe Francine. Okay, so a great episode uh, up and down from Grandma Thora to Fern, and we've got more of them coming as we uh, make our way through Season 2. All right, so before we leave for today, quick plugs here. Uh, If you would like to uh, connect with us, we are on social media at the following places. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, at ECL Podcast. 
Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. You can email us, as our fine emailers did this week. Thank you very much to Louise B. and to Erz Cat, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the places where you can listen to the podcast are Apple Music, if you listen to us over there. Uh, please give a rating and review. Uh, ElwoodCityLimits.Libsyn.com is where all of our episodes are collected online. L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can also find us on Google Play Music. So, Lucas, I, I know that uh, when we had Jordan on a couple weeks ago, you know, I kind of wanted to keep mum about the situation. Uh, you know, I didn't want to count any eggs before they hatched, but if you don't, if you don't mind, I would like to very much reveal what we've got going on for next week, because we've got a special guest in our midst once again. That's right. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, the plan is for next week's episode to feature one Nitro Rad, who's been a, always been a friend of the show, one of our first subscribers, and the person that put together our logo. I highly recommend you check out his videos. Uh, right now, he's already started early his Halloween videos, which even <laughs> I make a little cameo in the first one, uh, as Will was really excited to point out. So check those out at Nitro Rad. I think it's just youtube.com slash nitro rad and uh make sure you listen for him on next week's episode again barring any unforeseen circumstances uh but if he's not on next week we're definitely going to get him on soon that's right the plan is is uh, nitro rad for next week and we've got more guests coming up in october as well by the way if you want to see lucas mancini for real that nitro rad video is his latest on the evil within which i very much enjoyed i've been wanting to learn more about that game and he really likes it and nitro rad's great at videos so i thought he did a very good job explaining himself can't wait to talk to him next week because our episodes we're going to be talking about are love notes for muffy and dw blows the whistle two action-packed episodes in our midst and uh, with nitro right along it's going to be one heck of a time okay so that is elwood city limits for this week uh for the podcast my name's will young and lucas mancini why don't you go back to your own house All right, we'll catch you next week with our special guest.